morning, everybody. Hope you guys are all enjoying this beautiful weekend. How many of you guys got outside at some point? You guys are like, yeah, I walked from the house to the car. That's where I did. How many of you guys uh, try to read those before they change? Every week, I'm like, what does that one say? What does that one say? And like, don't quite get through them all. You guys are like, you're a slow reader. Okay, all right, that's not nice. Um, just really quick, I want to take a couple minutes and basically just ask you guys for some help. Uh, this summer, we have some very exciting things happening at Joy Church. We actually have three different uh, staff families are all having babies, which is so cool, very awesome. And then we have uh, a few different ones of our people who serve, you know, almost every single week. The summertime is when people go on vacation. And so we really need some extra help this summer in a few different areas serving around the church. So we're just asking if Joy Church is your home, if this is your place, we're asking, would you serve? Would you jump in and help this summer? Specifically, in the months of July and August, you know, if there's some weeks that you're going to be in town and you don't mind helping, we would absolutely love the help. Now, if you have been skittish about serving, right, in church, you were afraid that if I sign up, I'll never be let go. Don't worry, we're asking for a couple months, okay? We're not, we're not signing you up in blood, we're not signing you up for life, nothing like that. It's a, it's a couple months that if you say, hey, I could serve this week, I could jump in this week, whatever it is, we would absolutely um, be so grateful for that help. Um, so if you are interested at all, please, right after service, go to the next table out in the lobby, put your name, they have a sign-up sheet there, put your name on the list. And um, all they're asking for is your social security number, your, your firstborn child. It's not really a big commitment. It's no big deal. I'm just teasing. But they'll get in contact with you and they'll help you know what your next steps are. There's a few different areas. So it's not like, you know, if I sign up, oh no, now they may say I have to come and clean the toilets every week and I didn't want to do that, right? It's not, that's not what we're asking for. We'll find you a place that you would like to be. And even if you, there's even uh, opportunities where you're like, hey, I'm going to be there this week. I can be um, just on hand in case there isn't enough people, right? Or whatever it is. But we just, I really encourage you if you have some extra time this summer, if you have some dates that you're going to be here, would you go and would you help us? Would you go sign up and just say, hey, I'm willing, put me in, put me in coach. I'm willing to help for a couple of months. We would absolutely love that. And guess what? You might just have fun. It might just be awesome. You might just realize I love serving in this area or man, I made some really great friends or wow, now I know who I don't like. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> We've been in this series, uh, Rewired, all about thinking about what you think about, right? That's kind of a, you know, inception kind of thing happening. But I want to show you guys, this is kind of like round two of what were they thinking? We have some funny pictures for you here. This is the first one, this UPS driver put the package like that, but he locked the people inside. So they were trapped inside their apartment. They had to get management to come and help them out. This, this lady, she didn't want to lose her keys, so she locked them into the lock. This is my favorite one. She just wanted to get a closer look at the solar eclipse. It, it cracks me up. Like those three feet were really, you know, that brought it all together. That's what made the difference there. This guy, I actually don't like this one. It's too close to home. I've done this so many times. I know it's going to work now if I move the seat a little bit this way. Here we go. We got it. And the last one here, this person was trying to speed up the rice cooker. Just a little bit faster, get this moving, get this rice cooking a little bit quicker here. 
Uh, what were they thinking? In this series, we're just we're thinking about what we think about. It's important how you think matters. James Allen said, a man's mind may be likened into a garden, which may be in- intelligently cultivated or allowed to run wild. Whether cultivated or neglected, it must and will bring forth. If no useful seeds are put into it, then an abundance of useless weed seeds will fall therein and will continue to produce their kind. I think this is the most perfect quote talking about our, our mind, right? That no, all of our minds, they're like a garden. You can either decide to intentionally plant things in this garden and see, you know, see what comes up, or if you say, no, I don't really care, something is going to be growing and you didn't plant it, but something will be growing in that garden. How you think matters. How you think matters matters. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says, as a man thinketh, thinks, I did the thinketh. (laughs) Oh, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. As a man thinks in his heart, or woman. It wasn't just for the men, this verse, in case you were like, oh good, it doesn't matter for me. No, as a man or a woman thinks in their heart, so he is. All of us have healthy or unhealthy thoughts thought patterns that we've used our whole lives. These are either helping us or hurting us. This series is all about rewiring our thoughts to think more like Jesus. Um, as a little example, you know, I've, I've been into like personality tests. I love personality tests. I think they're so fun. I'm not talking about like the ones that are like, what kind of fruit are you? Or what kind of Disney princess would you be? Or what, what is your favorite uh, French cuisine? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, like the Myers-Briggs or, or whatever. But specifically the Enneagram, I was really reading into the Enneagram a couple years ago. And this, this specific personality test is kind of talks about your motivations, what motivates you as a human. And it talks about, uh, you know, something that happened or something that you believed as a child that has shaped who you are now. And so for me, I was an Enneagram 7. And what that means is that the, the thing that you decided to believe as a child was that you can only depend on yourself. You can only depend on yourself. So at some point, whether this is true or not true, whether you know it really was that you could only depend on yourself or it wasn't, at some point as a child, I began to believe, yeah, I can only depend on me. I'm the one person I can depend on, right? And so I knew this, you know, read this, like, oh yeah, that's, that's true, you know, all these interesting things. Well, then later I was listening to this podcast and it was a, a, an adult Enneagram 7, and they were talking about this. They were talking about that childhood thought, and the, the interviewer was like, so how does that um, affect you now in your, as an adult? And, and I'm thinking, oh, that's interesting. I don't, I don't think that does affect me now. This is as if I'm being interviewed on the podcast. Is that how you guys listen to podcasts? <laughs> but the person, the person answering who was actually being interviewed said, oh, it, it affects me all the time. I do this all the time by default. Anytime someone lets me down, someone doesn't do what I thought they were going to do, if I have a disappointment in life, if things don't go the way that I thought they were going to go immediately, I think, yep, I just, I only can depend on myself. I'm the only one who's going to help me. I'm the only one who's watching out for me. And it hit me in that moment while I was listening because I was like, I do that. That's exactly how I think. When anything happens in life, that's how I think. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because there's a thought pattern that I adopted as a child that maybe it helped me, I don't know, as a child, but I'm not, I didn't realize, oh, I'm still using that now. And it's super unhealthy. And it's not even true. 
It's not even a true thing. I can't, and, and actually it hurts my relationship with God. You see, if I'm living my life, some of you guys are like, that's true though, you can only depend on yourself. No, it's not true. It's totally a lie. I have a, a great husband I can depend on. I have an awesome church family that I know. If I needed help, they would absolutely help me. There's lots of people in my life I can depend on. And more importantly, I can depend on God right? I can depend on the Lord. I'm not in it all by myself. And so it was taking me realizing that, realizing, wow, this is an unhealthy thought pattern I've based my life on and I need to uproot it, right? It's a garden. I had to uproot those weeds I had planted and decide instead, I want to grow something that's truthful. I want to grow something that's right. Rick Warren said the battle to deal with those defects in your life that you don't like starts in your mind. If you want to change anything in your behavior or anything in your emotions, start with your thoughts and your attitudes. This is so important for every single one of us. You know, we say, I want to change this about my life. I want to change this about my life. It all starts with our thoughts. It all starts with our mind and how we think about things. So we're going to dig right into Ephesians 4.17. And this is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking to this church in Ephesus. And um, I'm going to read, it's a, kind of a long passage, so we're going we're gonna to stick together, we're going to focus, you guys can do it, right? But this is what, what Paul is saying to this church. He says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Now for our context, we read this and we say, Okay, great, I will no longer live as the Gentiles do, and that will be very easy, because I have no idea how they live, or who they are, right? <laughs> this, is, this is their context, we don't exactly understand, but for our context, what he's saying is don't live anymore as the non-Christians do. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, then we are called to live differently than non-Christians. For some of you guys in this room, you're like, oh, shoot, right? <laughs> oh, really? No, I'm teasing. But he's saying you're not, you're not, you can't live exactly the same way as someone who isn't following Christ lives. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. I love this part. It's telling you, if you're a Christ follower, you don't need to be hopelessly confused. You don't have to live in confusion. You don't have to live in hopelessness, Right? Their minds are full of darkness. Your mind doesn't have to be full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. We don't have to close our minds to God. We don't have to wander far away from the life that he gives. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't let sin, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still anger, angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. I made the lamest joke in first service about this one, about don't let the sun go down in your, on your anger, that if we really want to follow this, a lot of us should move to Alaska. 
It's, it's so bad. It's like embarrassingly bad. I'm ashamed of the joke. Great, well, I'm still ready to be angry, so I'm moving somewhere where I can get six months of sun. Thank you very much. I love this one. If you are a thief, quit stealing, okay? There you go, some good advice. What did you learn this week? Quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. This is a beautiful passage where Paul is saying, hey, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, there's an old way that you, you used to live, right? There's an old way that non-Christians live, and we don't live that way any longer. We're supposed to take off that jacket, the old way of living. We're supposed to put on a new jacket and live a different way. And when we read this, I don't know about you, but I read through these and I think, mm, I'm kind of falling short, right? You could do that kind of test where, you know, you stand up if you've never done these things and you get through them like bitterness. And, you know, most of us sit down. Yeah, I've been bitter. Oh, I've been bitter. I'm bitter about the bitterness I've had, right? Rage, you know, more of us sit down. Anyone who's driven on the belt line sits down. It's merged like a zipper, people. Don't dart like crazy people, okay? I'm already getting rageful, just kidding. Anger, harsh words, slander, all types of evil behavior. We, we're all guilty of these things, even after following after Christ. So we read these and we think, well, how am I supposed to do this? And I love what it's saying, this verse, and this is what we're really gonna focus on. In verse 23, it says, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. You see, every single one of us can try harder to be better, but we won't really change until we let the spirit renew our thoughts and our attitudes. It comes from letting God's spirit live in us and change us, change the way that we think, change the way that we feel, change the way that we act. And that's really what this series is all about, that as we begin to change the things that we think, the negative patterns that we have in our head, the wrong way of thinking, as we begin to let God change those things inside of us, we ourselves will begin to change. We will begin to walk differently, talk differently, react differently, be different people as we let God's spirit change us. So how do we do that? How do we let God renew our thoughts? How do I let God renew our thoughts? Number one is we have to be open to the idea that what you think isn't always right. This is the most important step. And we reread that and we think, oh yeah, that's funny. No, but all of us, we do this, right? We, we think that our thoughts are infallible. We think that what we think is absolutely correct. You know, when you're in your house and you're, uh, you know, someone who's also living in your house leaves the toilet seat up, you know who did it. You know why they did it. You know how they did it. You know everything you need to know, right? You know that you know. Or, you know, you see someone and they, they're, they're getting their coffee in the lobby and they looked at you and it wasn't the way you thought you were going to be looked at. 
you know they did it, you know why they did it. You know, you know how they did it, right? You know, I know, I know what they're thinking. This is how we are. We know exactly what, 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 what our spouses are thinking. We know what our kids are thinking. We know why they did what they did, but our thoughts aren't infallible. How many of you guys have had that moment where you just knew that you knew and someone comes and they're like, my kid had just kicked me in the leg and I wasn't trying to look at you like that. I was in pain. And you're like, oh, I need to delete some tweets. Don't listen to your voicemail anytime soon. Right? We have that moment where we realize, well, everything I thought was wrong. A humble person will grow in the Lord exponentially faster than a proud person. A humble person will grow in the Lord exponentially faster than a proud person. We have to be open to the idea that how we think isn't always right. You know, that little example I used uh, about how I thought as a kid, I didn't even realize I was necessarily thinking like that as an adult, but it was my default. And so I had to be open to the idea that that was an unhealthy way to think and that the way I was thinking wasn't correct in order to let God change me and change the way that I think. And every single one of us have to be the same way. You see, as we, as we read the Bible, there might be things in here that you say, oh, I don't get that. I don't understand that. I don't know why he did that. I don't, I don't even think I agree with that. Hey, that's different than how I was raised. That's not what I think about stuff. But are you willing to humble yourself and say, maybe how I think is not actually right? Pastor Jake used that verse last week in Isaiah where God is saying, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You see, a humble person says, God, I don't know if I necessarily understand it. Sometimes I don't agree with it, but I can admit that your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your thoughts are bigger than my thoughts. Maybe there's some things I don't get, I don't understand, and I'm willing to humble myself and learn from you. You have to be open to the idea that what you think isn't always right. Number two, you have to become a spirit-filled person. If, if the spirit, right, in this, this verse that we're reading, it says, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. That means I have to let the spirit into my life. I have to become a person that says, Holy Spirit, you're invited into my life. God, you're invited into my life. Jesus, I want you to be part of who I am. Throughout scripture, we read this where it says that God wants to dwell inside of you. I don't know the logistics of that. I don't understand that. My kids ask me these kinds of questions. I'm like, I don't know. But all I know is that he wants to be with us. And so you have to become a spirit-filled person. How do I do that practically? I would encourage you to pray every day. God, today I invite you into my life. I invite you to live in my life. Guide me. Lead me. Speak to me. God, I ask you to speak to me. I, I will listen. What if you did that every day? What if you said, God, I'm willing to hear from you today. I want to hear from you today. I want to hear your voice today. How would your life change? The Holy Spirit wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. But we have to be open to hearing from him. What this means is that we also have to quiet the other voices that are going on in our life so that we can hear from him. 
So if all day I'm consumed with Instagram and TikTok and Twitter, or I'm consumed with CNN and Fox News and talk radio, or I am consumed with, I can't even think of anything else, right? What are all the things that we're consumed with? If that's what I'm feeding on, then I have to quiet those things so I can actually have a minute to be able to hear a different voice. And some of you guys in this room, you have your parents of little kids and you're like, oh no, if it has to be quiet, it hasn't been quiet in my home in 87 years, <laughs> right? There's no hope for me. It's not quiet here. I don't even go to the bathroom alone. No, we're not talking about it being physically quiet where you're at. What I'm talking about is that your heart is quiet. Your mind is quiet. That you and your spirit, you're quiet. That you're open to hear from the Lord. When I had really little kids, I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. And I remember with, before I had kids, before we were even married, someone told me, when you have kids, your relationship with God will get worse. And I remember thinking, well, that's terribly sad. Why would anyone have children? <laughs> Just kidding. But I thought, no, I don't want that. Now, maybe your relationship with God won't look like the nice, comfy chair, the silence for two hours, the diligent study of the word next to a roaring fireplace with a hot cup of something, right? Maybe it's more like there's a toddler sitting on your head, there's a baby who puked, there's, you know, a child running naked through the front yard. As you look and think, what, what choices have I made that led me here, right? But God is still the same God who wants to have a relationship with you. Yeah, Your soul needs to be quiet, ready to receive from him. I remember when I had little kids, I would be desperate to hear from God, also desperately tired. And I would turn on worship music during the day in our home. And, you know, I would just, we would just go about our day. You're changing diapers. You're feeding people. You're arguing with two-year-olds, you know, whatever it is that you're doing in your day. But then there'd be a moment during that worship music that was playing that I could feel God's presence. I could feel him there in the room. I knew he was there with me. He was speaking to my heart. And I would close my eyes for like 1.5 milliseconds because that's about all that you get. And I would just say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for being here in this moment. Thank you for being here with us, you know, and then run and try to get someone not to climb on the counter or whatever it was. It doesn't mean that your whole physical life is quiet. It means that you are quiet, that you are open to hearing from him, that you are ready to listen when he speaks, that your spirit is open and ready and willing to obey when he talks to you. Become a spirit-filled person. If you're too filled with everything else, you won't have room for the Holy Spirit. Number three, we have to invite new thoughts into our life, right? We have this garden, you know, there's things here, you know, maybe you're, you're getting out all the weeds, you're trying to get out all of the, the bad things, but you actually need to plant the right things. So we have to invite new thoughts into our life. And by doing this, we read our Bible every day. Every single one of us as Christians, we have the most beautiful gift. We have this Bible, which we believe is the living words of God right? So everything he wants you to know, it's right here. It's open to us. It's not far off. So many people are struggling and saying, well, I never hear God's voice. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what he wants to say. I don't know how to know him. This is how you get to know him. This is how you hear his voice. This is what he has to say to you. Now I will admit this is very long. 
right? You guys are like, but this is difficult. (laughs) I will admit, and there is some confusing things in it, but this is the words of God for you in your life. So I encourage you to begin to read your Bible every single day. It doesn't mean that you, you know, need to read 18 chapters a day, but what can you do, right? If you've never read your Bible before, maybe you can read one chapter a day. Start this week. Do something to begin to read God's word every day. I have some really practical things for you, some really practical advice. The first one is if you use apps, you know, on your phone or your iPad or or your tablet, whatever, get the U version app, Y-O-U version app. It's just a Bible app. It has every translation of the Bible that you could ever think that there ever was. There's translations on there that I'm like, didn't know you existed, right? What are the translations? It's just, it's just the different ways that the Bible has been translated into English. They have them even in other languages. They have them in Spanish on there. They have them in all sorts of different languages. But it's the ways that the original Bible was translated and find one that works for you. So if you're like, when I try to read the Bible, it's all of these eths at the end. You know, he that cometh to the Lordeth is blesseth right? You're like, I don't even, I don't get it. They just tried to make it longer purposely. They tried to make it confusing. Find one that works for you. For me, I love the ESV, the English Standard Version. I like it. I like the way that it reads. That's usually what, what I read. For Jake, he loves the new, the picture Bible, the children's Bible. Yes. The New Living Translation, right? That's what I read the long passage in. That was the New Living Translation. Find one that works for you. Find one that when you read it, you can understand it. That when you read it, you're like, hey, I get this, okay? So maybe your great Aunt Bertha told you it's King James or nothing. Well, shake it off, right? Find one that works for you. Find something that helps you read and understand the Bible and then begin to read it every single day. Maybe you're like, hey, I'm not tech savvy. I don't have an app. I can't do that. We, we can help you. First of all, if you can get an app, anyone on staff will help you get this app, right? And we would love to help you begin to read your Bible. The second thing is start a Bible reading plan. In that version app, there's so many Bible reading plans. There's one for everything. There's like ones on if you, you know, want to learn more about God's grace. And then there's ones that are like, if you like riding a bicycle, I'm like, I don't know how they did that one. I don't know how they did that. Okay. But there's, there's a, there's a Bible plan for every single person. Why do I say get a Bible reading plan? Because it'll help you stay where every day you're reading the Bible. It'll get you on track. It'll give you a way to begin to do it every single day. If you say, I don't have an app, I can't do it. Ask one of us. We would love to print you a Bible reading plan. We will find one for you. You can fold it up. You can put it in your Bible and then you can, you know, check it off every day. But it's so important that we read God's word every single day. To me, it's just like taking a shower, right? You take a shower because you get dirty, These are the kind of things we have a 10-year-old, 8-year-old, 6-year-old. So this is where we're at in our life. You know, you have to take a shower because you smell so bad. This is why. This is why you have to take a shower, right? That's where we're at with them. Why? Because all day long you get dirty, whatever it is that you're doing in your life. You get sweaty or you actually get dirty or you're, you're handling things that you need to be clean, clean from. Whatever it is, we understand this, that I naturally need to clean myself. Some of you guys are like, oh, I should write this down. Shower. I'm I'm learning so much today, right? Good, I'm so proud of you. You're doing great. But reading your Bible every day is the same thing. It's like taking a shower. All day long, we are inundated 
with information all day long. We're inundated with how you should think, who you should be, what you were made from, all of these things. And so when I read my Bible, it's me taking a shower from all of those other things and I'm, I'm receiving the mind of Christ. I'm receiving God's word. I'm remembering who I am. I'm remembering who he says I am. I'm remembering there's a world that's, that's not this world, that there's, I'm living for a different kingdom. I'm remembering that I'm not my own. And all of these lies that are being told to me all day, they're getting washed away, right? So it's like taking a shower every day. I really encourage you, if you don't read your Bible every day, here's your challenge, do it. Do it for 30 days. And if you do it for 30 days straight, and you say, I didn't change in any way, come back and tell me, because I think you were reading Leviticus. <laughs> or maybe Ezekiel, I don't know. But even that, I believe you could even change reading those every single day. But I, I believe this so much that you will change if you will read your Bible every day. And I challenge you, begin to read your Bible every day. It'll change the way that you think. It'll change the way that you live. It'll change who you are. If there's ways in your life that you're saying, I've, I've been on this path for so long. I'm so sick of this path. I'm sick of the way, I'm sick of not making progress. Do something different. Read your Bible every day. Change the way that you think. Change the way that you feel, right? By reading your Bible every day. And the fourth one, be open, right? Number one, be open to the idea that what you think isn't always right. Become a spirit-filled person. Invite new thoughts into your life. And the last one, memorize scriptures to use against negative thought patterns. Once in your life, you begin to realize, hey, there's this thing in my life and, and it, it's not right. I think this way and it's not correct. It's not what the Bible says. Then begin to collect those scriptures that are saying differently than how you feel or what you think and memorize them. Put them inside of you. When I was a, a, a small kid, I was in kindergarten, they had an announcement at school and they were telling the older kids, not the kindergartners, that the kid, older kids were playing this game in the bathrooms with mirrors and it was, I'm not even gonna say what it is because there's children in the room, but it was, scared me so bad as a five-year-old. I heard them talking about this. I'd never heard of it and it scared me so bad that I began to have terrifying fear of mirrors and nighttime and I was so scared of, of this. It was real crippling fear as a child. And to, um, but also God also blessed me with a very small bladder. So I had to go pee like every night in the middle of the night. So every night I would wake up and I'd be so scared and I wouldn't wanna turn on lights. I don't know why, should've just turned on every light. But I, was, I had this terrifying fear and it actually I had it all the way up into my teens where I was just scared of mirrors at night. And until I found this verse and it's in Psalms, Psalms 27, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And so I remember reading that verse. I loved that verse. And I, I began to try to memorize it. I would write it down. I was trying to remember it. And when I would wake up in the night and I would have to go to the bathroom, I would begin to say that like a chant, right? I would run to the rest of the Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Who shall I be afraid? I would just say it over and over and over and over like a crazy person. But what was I doing? I was telling myself, the Lord is your light. The Lord is your salvation. Of whom should you fear? The Lord is the strength of your life. Of whom should you be afraid of? And at some point in my life, I just stopped having fear. And I don't remember the time that I stopped being afraid, but I was no longer had fear. 
And even to this day, like different times when, you know, Jake would go out of town or whatever and I'd be home alone and, and people would be like, aren't you scared to be in your house alone? No, I don't have any fear. Because at some point I memorized that scripture and I began to believe it. That's what's happening when you memorize scripture is that now I truly believe my God, he is my light. He is my salvation. He is the strength of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? What are the things in your life that you constantly deal with? Maybe for you it's fear, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's depression, maybe it's lust, maybe there's things in your life where you just, it's always this, I'm always dealing with this. Find the verse. Find the verses in the Bible that speak a better word over you. And put them into your heart, put them into your memory. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9 says, These commandments that I give you today will be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. What, God is literally telling his people, write these down and talk about them all day long. Because it's going to change your life because it's gonna change your life. I mentioned in, in first service that I know somebody, a friend and someone was asking me in between the services, they were like, were you talking about me? No, I'm not talking about anybody in the church, don't worry. It's not you, if you think I'm talking about you. But I know someone and, and they're in their mid 70s and, and when they're doing something, um, you know, you can just hear them talking to themselves. And they say things like, oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, I messed that up. Of course you did, of course I did that. Oh, I'm so dumb. Right? This is so sad to me that this person is so trapped in their own mind, in their own way of thinking, that they have this tape, whether they, they gave it to themselves or maybe in their childhood, someone spoke those words over them. Where now this is, this is what they believe. I am stupid. I can't do it. I can't break through. I can't do anything right. So much so that they're saying it out loud without any shame, without any embarrassment. And yet that's how so many of us are, that we're trapped in the way that we think. We have unhealthy thought patterns that we thought were gonna help us and they haven't. You know, they're, they're gonna put up a picture here of this news article, it's, it's over 10 years old, but this happened in India in this village. And uh, these girls, a lot of girls, especially in this village, so I'm not gonna say all of India, but they get named this name, um, it's not in English, but what the name means, their name, like Bethany, what the name means is unwanted. Because having a, a girl in their society is not looked good upon, right? You have to have a dowry, now I have to take care of this person, and they would rather have a boy. And so the parents just name their daughters unwanted. And it's very, very common. And so this picture is taken of the ceremony that was happening. This was just a secular news story where these 200 girls were coming. Women, some of them, you know, as you can see, are older. And they're changing their name. And you know, I really wanted this really practical message to give you guys tools so that you can begin to change the wiring in your head so that you can begin to overcome these negative thought patterns. But as I was praying for you guys this weekend, God reminded me of this story. And then he spoke to me and he said, I'm also the God of miracles. You see, throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, we see God come to this moment, come to these people, and he says, this is your name. This is what God named you, but I'm changing it. I'm sorry, not what God named you. This is what your parents named you, but I'm changing it. Yeah. 
I'm changing your name. And I felt that God today in this room, there's so many of you that he wants to change your name. And I don't mean actually changing your name. That's between you and the Lord. But there's some things that have been spoken over you, maybe by a parent, a grandparent, a neighbor, a teacher, a coach, and they just echo. They echo in your head. And it's this kind of thing that that's who you are now. That's what you think. This is who I am now. And maybe, maybe it wasn't another person who spoke it over you. Maybe it's you that spoke it over you. But it's become a thought pattern that you don't even really think about anymore. God wants to break that today. He wants to change your name. He didn't create you to be unwanted. He didn't create you as a mistake. No, he created you. He formed you. He chose you. And he wants to change the way that you think. It says in the Bible, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I believe today that so many of you that have been plagued with these negative thoughts will walk out of here today in freedom. So if everyone would just bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're in this room and you're saying, hey, I I want prayer. Pray for me. I want to break free from some thought patterns today. Would you just lift up your hand for me? Just lift up your hand for me. No one's looking around. You're not going to get embarrassed. I just want to make sure that, you know, we're hitting it the right thing. Thank you, guys. We're going to pray. And I do. I truly believe God is going to work a miracle in your mind, in your heart today, that you're going to walk out of here as a new person. Now, listen, you're given tools today as well. So walk out of here in freedom, but use those tools as well to continue to walk in freedom. I'm going to pray right now. Jesus, I just thank you so much for every single person in this room, God. God, I thank you that you are the God of miracles, that there is nothing too big, too great for you, Lord. And I pray for every person in this room who is dealing with a battle in their mind, God, these words that were spoken over them, that they even speak over themselves, God. We just pray that those power of those words is broken right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray for freedom over each person, God, that they will begin to hear your voice freely, God, that they will begin to be able to recognize when you're speaking to them, that they will begin to be able to feel your presence when you are with them, God. I thank you that every single person in this room is not a mistake that they were chosen by you, that they were made on purpose and for purpose. And God, I pray that they will begin to discover their purpose in you, Lord. God, I thank you that you are rewriting our history, God, that you're rewriting our future, God, that in you we have a future, we have a hope, God. I thank you for who you are. And Lord, I pray every single person in this room will walk out in freedom today, Jesus. If you will just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you're in this room and you say, hey, I, I don't, I'm not really a Christian. This, this seems like this whole sermon was for people who are following after Christ. We want you to know that you were made on purpose by the God of all creation. The creator of the universe made you, he knows you, and he created you for a relationship with him. And we believe that you enter into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, through his son, that when we say, Jesus, I believe in you, and I trust you, that when we put our faith and our hope in him, that we can have salvation. And so if you're in this room today and you say, I don't know him, I don't know Jesus, but I want to know him. I want to put my faith in him. Would you just lift up your hand right now? We don't do this to embarrass you. Thank you. We don't do this for any reason except for you to have a way to say, God, I'm putting my hope and my faith in you. Anybody else in this room, you're saying, I want to be a Christ follower. I want in. I want to be a Christian. Thank you. 
just a minute, we're gonna say a prayer. If you just repeat after me, it's just a way for you to verbalize that you're putting your faith and your trust in Jesus. If everyone in the room, if you would just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. God, I wanna become a Christian. Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I put my faith and my trust in you. God, would you forgive me for the wrong things that I've done, for the people that I've hurt? God, will you help me be more like you? I give you my life. I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.